The Start on On Demand. It's Halloween, and today we're going to talk a lot about Halloween. Out east in Quebec, southern Ontario, they're talking about postponing trick-or-treating because of severe inclement weather, so that got us chatting. Is it ever acceptable to postpone Halloween because of the weather? We're also going to talk about what's happening in East St. Paul as one of their subdivisions, Pritchard Farms, is being blocked off to vehicular traffic, and that has a lot of people wondering, is this about keeping people safe? or keeping people out. BC introduces legislation to make daylight saving time permanent. And what was your favorite costume for Halloween? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, October 31st Halloween podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. She's back. (laughs) Huzzah! I'm here. You made it. And I look like a Christmas tree, according to Jeff Braun. What? I have a, because yeah, I'm wearing green and oh. I have red hair. <laughs> that was it. Okay. That was, he's like, hey, you, you look like a Christmas tree. And I thought, you know, I'll take that. Okay. Cause you're red. Is the no, <laughs> the no, I'm looking at the nose right now to see if it's Rudolphy. It's, it's okay. It's peeling from blowing it okay. so hard. <laughs> that happens to me yeah. when I get sick. Yeah. So, well, hey, glad you made it in. I'm sorry I missed out on the flu shot yesterday. I could have used that about a week ago. Yeah, I think it's too late for you. <laughs> well, it'll come back, I'm sure. If you want to see videos, by the way, of Greg and I getting our flu shots and just how easy it is, go to our 680 CJOB Instagram page. It took, honestly, 10 seconds for Greg to get his. And uh, I think the same for me. Each of the, Greg's video is like 19 seconds and mine is 16 seconds. It was so fast. I couldn't believe it. It hurts a little bit, though. It no? doesn't. You can't even feel it. I didn't uh, even, you can. No, you can't. I didn't even realize that it entered my body. I was waiting. It's like, are you going to do that little swab thing before you put, Oh, no, it's already done. It's already been administered. Yeah. So I don't know if I believe that. I Brett McGarry to... is distracting the heck Why? out of me this morning. Oh, yeah, no, I he know. He's dressed as Clark Kent. He's got his Superman S peeking through his yeah. three-piece suit here, and he shaved his beard. I shaved. He's so damn handsome. <laughs> oh, come it on. is really, really <laughs> distracting this morning. You you look fantastic, oh, man. Thank you. I I feel weird without the beard. I haven't shaved. I think honestly, the last time I shaved. <laughs> Was uh, probably 2015. I'm trying to take his picture right now. 2015? I think so. I think the last time I had a clean shave was the last time I wore this costume. uh, Because I wore it in 2014. And then just for... Because I went to like an impromptu Halloween gathering. That wasn't even a Halloween party. Like it wasn't a costume party. But I figured out what the hell. I'll put on the Clark Kent costume. I know I have a picture of that on my Instagram. I'm just seeing if I shaved for that. I definitely shaved... In 2014, but since then, I think I've had the beard, and it's not a thick beard. I always keep it relatively trim, but... uh, The glasses are throwing me off also. These glasses are from junior high. (laughs) There's no... I can't... I mean, I had to take the lenses out of them because I can't see through them while I wear my contacts, but uh, even with the lenses out, they're still throwing me off. Well, because you... They actually look really good on you, though. Really? I like the style of glasses. I like the hat. The Harry Potter glasses? Yeah. Well, I went for the Christopher Reeve sort of classic Superman. Oh, it's, Clark it's Kent. classic. Got the fedora hat on. <laughs> Greg's got a crush on you. Oh, I, and I did not shave <laughs> in 2015. I'm just looking at my Instagram Oh, now. really? Yeah, you can sort of see the beard on that picture there, Greg. If you want to see it, you can oh, go to Oh, and my... I, do re- I do remember this with the tie kind of in the wind. I do recall that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is an even better look. The one now? The one today. Okay. Yes, you've, okay. You, you've, you've won the day already, and it's <laughs> 6.08 well, on Halloween, yep. All Hallows' Eve. Yeah, I'm just glad that uh, I was able to coordinate the outfit and get my tie ready last night because I would have been grumbling and stumbling and trying to do that this morning. Yeah, so. no kidding. Hey, last night was uh, do you, gate night. Does that gate ring a night. bell with anyone mm-hmm. uh, the night before Halloween? Mm-hmm. Anybody have anything go down? Any mischievous activities in your neighborhood? Not that I noticed. I think I heard fireworks. Okay. Or, or something. I was hearing some kind of a noise. Some sort of a, what was that ruckus? A ruckus. Mm. Can you describe the ruckus? <laughs> but uh, so I, maybe that was related to that. I forgot that it's gate night or as I think they, remember the movie The Crow? 
I think they called it Devil's Night in that, if I'm not yes, mistaken. Yes, and I think that's what they call it in Detroit as well. So uh, just be curious to know. I left, I, I had about 14 bags of leaves I had to get to the curb. Yep. I left them at the side of the house until this morning because mm. I had visions of going out and starting the vehicle this morning and all my leaves being scattered all over the front street. So I left them away from mm. the edge of the curb until this morning. Smart. So. Did you ever get into any gate night shenanigans? No, uh, that's not my thing. That was never my thing. We stayed home very quietly on gate night. I find that oh. hard to believe, too, for some reason. Sorry, I was just distracted. We're being possessed. Yeah. You can kind of hear. It's the ring. It's static from our overhead speaker. But yes, it sounds kind of like The Ring, which is a movie that uh, scared the daylights out of me the first time I watched it. Then the second time I watched it, like 15 years later, uh, or almost 20 years later, not so much. But hey, did either of you see the trailer for The Grudge, the movie mm-hmm. with John Cho that was shot here in Winnipeg? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to pick out where those the various houses were that they showed. Oh, no, I haven't seen it. I'll take a look at it in yeah. a break. Yeah, shot here in Winnipeg. That trailer just released a couple of days ago. So we're going to talk a lot about Halloween today at 645. We're going to talk costumes. What's the best costume you've ever had? Or perhaps what's the most impractical costume you've ever had? Because we all bump into people who are wearing this fantastic costume, and the first thing they say to you is, I did not account for bathroom breaks mm-hmm. in this thing. Like, I bumped into a guy at a bar that I went to school with. He had a full Optimus Prime costume. It was amazing. Made it himself, but he said, I, I have to take this whole thing off to go to the can. And because as a bar, at a bar, he was making frequent trips. Sure. So that's uh, so. if you've got a story like that, feel free to text us or send us a picture if you want at 204-780-6868. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Happy Halloween. Well, for some, because Halloween is expected to be a windy, wet, soggy mess in Quebec. So some municipalities in the Montreal area are choosing to move the candy-driven holiday to Friday. As Global's Tim Sargent explains, parents are on the fence about the idea. Halloween is an event Nathalie Neron looks forward to every year. But this season, celebrating it on the 31st is giving her the creeps. That would be a shame that we actually spoiled that because of the weather. The Westmount resident wishes her city would follow Montreal's lead. The mayor is postponing trick-or-treating to Friday due to bad weather in the forecast. It's supposed to be a fun day for kids. I don't think it's a fun day for them to go trick-or-treating in rain. Many municipalities are also taking a rain check. From North Carolina to Quebec, social media is lit up across the eastern seaboard with examples. Moving Halloween trick-or-treating to Friday... I agree with moving it due to rain and Halloween on hold are just a few samples to move the hallow date due to the rainy forecast. Uh, we should be able to adjust accordingly and uh, 40 millimeters of rain is a lot of rain and also for, uh, for the safety of uh, the kids and stuff, being outside with all the rain. Soon these skies are expected to open up. Heavy rain and high winds are in the forecast for Halloween. The advice to kids who do decide to go out trick-or-treating, be prepared. There's a big system right now in the southern part of, of the U.S. that is bringing a lot of humidity up to our region. So it's affecting the eastern part of, uh, of the U.S., so all the coast, all along the coast, into our region. Well, we're talking about really heavy rains and high winds. Liz Zarek says her borough is moving Halloween activities from an outdoor park to an indoor arena, the first time it's had to do so in 30 years. It won't be Exactly the same, you know, a dark park for Halloween night is exciting. While Thursday is expected to be a washout, Friday's forecast calls for dry but cold temperatures. So pick your Halloween poison. Tim Sargent, Global News, Montreal. Now the situation is similar in southern Ontario where there are calls to postpone Halloween amid a frightening forecast there. Special weather statement from Environment Canada, southern and eastern Ontario expected to be hit by a downpour and strong wind. Halloween expected to break a one-day rainfall record and several U.S. neighborhoods, as mentioned earlier, postponed to the weekend, including Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and communities in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's smart. Really? Yes. No. Safety first. No. Yes. No. You don't need to go out and get soaking wet. Then do you, so some years Halloween isn't as good. Some years Halloween just isn't as good. We've all been through that as kids. There's a snowstorm. There's a blizzard. It, it's raining like every other Halloween since my kids were born. This and sometimes is not they go just out for 10 rain. minutes. It's rain and some wind. 
No, go it's out a for full five minutes, get storm. five things of candies. You come home, this, and then next year you hope for it to be better. No, you, can't, of, you can't just move Halloween. Yes, you can. You can't. It's October you can. 31st. You can. And lots of people have suggested that trick-or-treating me move to the closest weekend to Halloween so that you could do trick-or-treating either on a Friday or a Saturday night versus putting kids out on the streets on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like it is this year. I don't know how you feel about that. Does it have to be on the 31st for it to be Halloween? I think lots of us well, are going to Halloween, Halloween parties on the weekend. Is it going to feel any less like Halloween on Saturday? You can't move ha- the trick-or-treating because the weather's bad. What do you think, 204-780-6868? You can Halloween you can't. be can't. moved they for are. the weather? Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Jeff Braun is here. Jeff Forte, who just put on a fancy wolf mask. Good for you, Forte, although you've take, you've already taken it yeah, off. Yeah, you can't really talk and can't really see in it. <laughs> Put it back on. <laughs> but, I want to uh, hear you. I, 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 I have to give credit to my friends. They're actually the ones who picked it out. My friends Liam and Brandon. That's a nice mask. I'll have to get a picture of that. And we're getting pictures at 204-780-6868 of your favorite con- costumes. Uliana sent us a picture. It took us a second to figure it out. But Forte figured it out. Walter White. Very good, Uliana. Wearing the yellow sort of coveralls. And what are those on his head? That's the uh, gas, the gas mask. mask. The, the respirator. Mask. Yes. Very good. Very good. And uh, Andrea sent us a picture of her daughter in the classic hot dog costume. Super cute. Very cute. So your favorite costumes. Uh, Greg, you're dressing up as... Undertaker. Oh, Undertaker. My buddy's going to be the Undertaker. So he needed a manager. And uh, came to me, and so I said, well, I know we're going to a social, and couples' costumes are really cool, but I figured I'd be going in a couple's costume with my wife, Yeah. so you will have to clear this with her. Okay. So I'm in a couple's costume with my buddy, and my <laughs> wife and his wife are going in a couple's costume. Oh, so yeah? They're, yeah, so they're going to be cats, apparently. And so. you're going to be Paul Bear. And I'm going to be Paul Bear. Very nice, very nice. Now, Jeff Braun, have you ever dressed up in costume? Well, when I was a kid. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Did you have a good I've one a, that you I liked? have a vague recollection of being a hobo one year. Um, no, but I, I mostly I remember one costume I had. I think I must have worn it a few years where it was just it was, uh, the, the cheap plastic mask with the smock, and I was, uh, I was Spock from Star, <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> very nice. McNabb? Uh, well, as a child costume, still one of my favorites was when I went as a witch, and that's only because uh, my hair was very, very long, and my mom had braided it the night before, and then it was all curly and wild, <laughs> and I still look back at it and miss that long hair. When you're little and your hair is long, it's like, it's a big deal, so I still look at that photo and wish of the days when I had hair like that. In more recent years, one of my favorite costumes was a friend and I went, we went to, I think, Value Village or something when we were living in Toronto, and just combing through the racks and we both pulled out at the same time these um t-shirts with saskatchewan logos on it and so we decided we'd go as tourists from saskatchewan which was super easy we just put these t-shirts on and then bought like ugly track pants and a fanny pack and like an old camera and it was kind of insulting to people from saskatchewan and then for some reason we adopted for the rest of the night like a fargo accent like oh marge you know look at this and we just walked around like we were in awe of everything in toronto so that was one of my favorites because i think it cost seven bucks to put together and it was just a lot of fun to do i uh one one time i dressed up as the joker I actually bought a purple suit that had some sheen to it. It's this double-breasted suit that I bought at the store. I was working at Coliseum. I still have it, the suit. Good old um, Coliseum. Yeah, but uh, but I, I think I only did it once because I hated wearing the makeup, and I bought this green hairspray, oh, and uh, I had to essentially empty the entire can onto my head, and uh, I later coughed. And like the, it, was, it was like neon green. I felt like my stomach was radioactive, Great. so I never did that, that again. But it was a good costume. I found an orange shirt, a green tie. It was sweet. But uh, I think my favorite was this was my favorite for two reasons. One, because it, it helped me win some prize money for Halloween contests, but it also won me a trip to WrestleMania. Mm. And that's when I dressed up as mankind. I was walking up Osborne one day, and I looked across the street to Gags Unlimited, and I saw in their window they had this mask for Mankind, who was a very popular wrestler in the late 1990s, Mick Foley. So I got the mask, and then I just went and bought the biggest white shirt I could find, because he was kind of a portly fellow. I wrapped a blanket around my stomach, and then I put a T-shirt over top of that and, like, 
wrapped a whole bunch of tape around it so the blanket would hold. Got some gray sweatpants. I even made a little Mr. Socko. And uh, it was my favorite costume. And I, I, I think I recycled that one like five years in a row. Well, well, that's comfortable too, you? right? It was like Some comfy, of those costumes, yeah. that, they're not comfortable. But like that, well, I think part of the reason like I, I liked being the tourist is that I was just wearing stretchy pants and a t-shirt, <laughs> right? And so like didn't really, I didn't even care if I had to tell people a million times what I was. And it was fun wearing the mask too at a, like because we went to this Halloween uh, social or something and I was dancing with all these people I didn't know and I didn't care because they couldn't see my face. So it kind of... Yeah, having the mask gave me that anonymity that kind of kind of helped me relax a little bit. Well, that's a lot of fun. And uh, we're just getting a picture here from one of our listeners who has their dog Razor dressed as a panda today. Oh. Adorable. And I think I've shared this with you in the past, but my mom made me a panda costume back in 1989 or 88 when the pandas were here. Pandas in person at the Winnipeg Zoo. I have younger brothers and sisters, or a younger brother and younger sister who are like 14, 15 years apart from me, and they had these adorable little panda costumes. And I said to my mom at six foot one, I need one of those, and I need it this afternoon. Yeah, I got it by the next day, and I recycled that for about eight, nine, maybe ten years and until she made it. I could not get into it anymore. Heck yeah, she uh, made it. Bless all those moms who are doing that. I go to a store, and if it doesn't come wrapped in a plastic package, you're not, you don't get to be it for Halloween. I know why I like you wanted Mike. the panda costume. Why? Because it helped you score, didn't it? <laughs> what was that for? It was a big cuddly bear. <laughs> I were cuddles galore. I like. The the costume I had last year, that was the inflatable duck, and it looked like I was riding it. Uh, oh, yeah, you did <laughs> yeah. That. Was that last year? That was last year, yeah. Those inflatable ones, are some of them are very clever. But I was wearing it to a party one time, and, like, the tail, you know, it sticks out, so I'd be knocking drinks over the coffee table. <laughs> oh, and... not good. <laughs> well, Rui texted us a picture of his inflatable costume, the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. I like it. And it actually, Razor is his dog, so Rui, thanks for sending those pictures. That's outstanding stuff. And uh, when I was a kid, I, I think um, I, I was just a classic vampire one year. My mom made me this beautiful cape. It had like this shiny sort of red uh, interior. But she also made us Jawa costumes one Ooh. year. Oh, nice. Which was super neat because it was right after, well, I mean, not right after, right after I had watched Star Wars 50 times. Right. When I was four years old or five years old. Uh, so yeah, just all sorts of memories coming back here of costumes that I'd long forgotten about. I think you're either a costume person or you're not, and that starts at a pretty young age. Like Jeff, did you enjoy it when you were younger? It was a necessity to get the candy. In right. It, so. so no, the answer is no. <laughs> I, it didn't bother me. You, but I didn't, are you didn't Jim from it. the Office? No. I wouldn't even go that far. Oh, because <laughs> what, what, what did he do one year? He did he just put, put a name tag on it said Jim or Dave? But didn't or he put like, like did he, he put, attach something to his face like the word book? So yeah, he was, he Facebook. Was oh, he yeah. also put oh, three gosh. holes, like put three holes on his um, shirt, and said he was the three-hole punch. <laughs> That's pretty clever. One of our <laughs> listeners says the first person, uh, like couples costume, the first person dresses as a baby at each door as they receive their candy. The second person steals it from their hand as they are, of course, the greatest of ease. We start this hour with a huge tragedy in the North End. Yeah, Winnipeg police put into words yesterday what many were thinking when they heard the news that a three-year-old, a three-year-old boy was fighting for his young life after he was stabbed in his own home. Constable Jay Murray saying, quote, it's an unthinkable event and it has to affect the entire city, not just the involved family. And I think he's right. It has hit many hard, with dozens gathering outside HSC last night to share their grief. We'll have more on that vigil in a moment. But first, here's Global's Joe Scarpelli with what we know about this shocking assault. It started with an unfamiliar man's voice. And then I heard a girl yelling, and all of a sudden ambulances were everywhere. Waking up more neighbours. i seen a bunch of people across the street and heard the people that live there. No, I heard them crying and stuff. A three-year-old boy was rushed to hospital after being found suffering from serious upper body injuries. Police say the child was assaulted with a weapon. Words can't even begin to describe the sadness surrounding this event. Uh, it's an unthinkable event and, and it has to affect the entire city, not just the involved family. Police won't say what type of weapon was used, but did say investigators don't believe the assault was random. 
Well, that's, that's uh, horrendous. That's uh, ridiculous. Neighbors say as many as seven people live in the home, including several children. I mean, the little boy, I see him playing outside. He's sweet and has a nice smile. Now, the child remains in hospital in what police describe as grave condition. So far, no arrests have been made and police won't comment on what possible relationship, if any, exists between the three-year-old and the person believed to have done this. So police did say they believe the suspect is known to the boy's family. A family spokesperson told Global News and CJOB last night that the child remains on life support at HSC. Which is where family friends, along with at least 40 other people, many of them strangers, gathered last night to pray for the little boy and the larger community. The three-year-old is the latest victim in a string of violent crimes to hit Winnipeg this week. I think the... uh, One of the most recent victims was also 14 years old, so also young victims being impacted by crime. And those at the vigil said people need to hear that you can't fight violence with violence. We pray to those that great spirit that watches over all of us. And we asked them in a humble and pitiful way to watch over that baby and the family and the community. Uh, We also pray for our community. We're in a sick community right now. Our youth are lost. That drug has a hold on most of our people, not just our people, all people. We all live in this community. Uh, We need to put a stop to this. Like, now, this has to stop. We don't have to sit by and let this happen. What's it going to take? Like, this little boy doesn't deserve this most certainly doesn't. Three-year-old boy fighting for his life in hospital. Again, family members saying he's on life support. One of the things that stood out from what was just said there, Greg, at HSC last night from one of the vigils was that we live in a sick community. And I I feel that way sometimes that whether it's been through drugs or other things, it feels like there's an illness sort of taking over things right now. Yeah, when we started the show on Monday, that was the certainly the prevailing attitude and the sense that, that we got was that the weekend had rattled most Winnipegers, but we do that checklist, right? We do the geography. Okay, where did, where did that happen? Hmm, okay, not in my backyard. Oh, it happened in that part of the city. Hmm, some people take solace in an unusual fashion, out of the geography question. Mm -hmm. But then the next question that gets asked, is it random? And so we had that situation on Sunday afternoon where there was gunshot fired into the front door of a home where we don't have a lot of answers. And I think this transcends that random issue because a lot of times when it's random, we ramp up our concern. This, we don't have that. This doesn't sound like it's a random issue or a random crime, but But I don't think it matters. This is is making so many of us sick to our stomachs. We're asking a lot of questions why, Uh, not as journalists, not as reporters, not as people who speak with you on the radio every day, but as parents, as members of this city, wondering what in the hell is going on in Winnipeg right now. And this just is really amplifying that for so many of us today. We have linked this story to our 680 CJOB Instagram story if you would like to read more on it. Small Town Salute brought to you by South Beach Casino and Resort. It's true. Get real cash back on your play. Find out more at southbeachcasino.ca. This week for the Small Town Salute, we're cheating we're heading to Portage La Prairie, which is not a town. No, but it's a small city. Yeah, and it's where we like to use this segment as an excuse to tell you about something outside of the perimeter highway. And this is something fascinating and somewhat Halloweeny, and it's actually been happening every Friday, Saturday, Sunday since May at Fort Lorraine Museum. Witchcraft Explored is the name of the exhibit, and Madison Connolly is executive director of Fort Lorraine Museum. I know it's not a Halloween specific exhibit you already had your fright at the museum a couple of days ago but the witch you know witches are one of the most one of the images that are most synonymous with halloween so for those maybe looking to extend their halloween celebrations into the weekend why don't you tell us a little bit about your witchcraft exhibit at the museum sure so the exhibit itself came about last halloween uh we had done an interactive halloween event um, based on the witch hunting craze in the 1700s in canada 
And so we wanted to supplement that with uh, more of an educational look at it. And so this exhibit is a nine-panel um, look at what is witchcraft? Um, is it magic, science, religion? Well, the answer really depends on the person's perspective looking at the subject. And uh, it's a very, very broad topic, but, um, you know, obviously we couldn't touch on everything, but within the nine panels, we were able to talk about um, the concept of witchcraft, where it comes from, the ancient roots, um, and then how it kind of came into Canada's history, because not many people know that uh, Canada does have a history of witch hunting and, and, and witchcraft, and there are still people still practicing today, and it, it's something that uh, we kind of wanted to touch on because a lot of people are interested in that. Okay, so I've met two Wiccans in my life, both wonderful people. And mm -hmm. uh, I read The Crucible in school. I think a lot of us did. And so we imagined that uh, the witch hunting thing was a big deal in the United States in the 1700s. But this was a thing in, in Canada once upon a time. Explain that, that is right, yeah. So uh, it was happening around the same time, so about mid to late 1700s. And uh, most people know witch hunting in North America due to the Salem witch trials. Um, but a lot of those uh, negative views towards the other marginalized peoples, um, scapegoating uh, those that were different, that seeped into Canada as well, mostly in New France and in the Maritimes. Um, but of course, as uh, settlers were moving west and fur trading here into the prairies, those notions followed them here too. Um, which is why it's it's part of the exhibit here right now. Um, yeah, it is a, it's an interesting topic. It's very controversial, of course, uh, because it it doesn't really look at um, mostly with Christians that that did prosecute those that were considered witches at the time. Um, but uh, this was written mostly by a Christian and was vetted by people from all different faiths and backgrounds, including Indigenous and Wiccan. Um, so we believe that we did a decent job of basically covering the topic without going too, too deep into it. Were they prosecuted in the same way, the tradition? Like I'm just picturing, you know, burn her, she's a witch. You know what? Canada was actually not as harsh on, on those considered witches at the time, um, which is really interesting. And a lot of the scholarship that went into this exhibit talks about the fact that um, there was a bit more Indigenous settler relations going on at this time in Canada, or what would become Canada, I should say. And um, because of Indigenous spiritual points of view, um, settlers were already somewhat accustomed uh, to kind of more of a spiritualistic uh, worldview. And not that there wasn't prosecution towards it, but it was just a little bit more understood up here in, in like North North America. This is fascinating stuff, Madison, but I want to talk to you about Fort Lorraine Museum on a whole. I've brought my kids there in the past, and it's a spectacular place. You have a huge collection of farm equipment uh, from from all different eras, and your collection of buildings on the museum grounds is spectacular. So for those that well, haven't been you. there, yeah, it's great. So for those that haven't been there, maybe give us the uh, elevator pitch, as I like to say, with regard <laughs> sure. to the museum and, and why we should uh, take the time to come out and see it. Sure. So Fort Lorraine Museum, and I've worked in museums almost my whole life, and I have never worked in one so unique before. So uh, not only is there a fort complex, uh, but there's also a pioneer village. We have the world's largest collection of Alice Chalmers equipment, um, which is pretty amazing for some people. Some people have no idea what that is. Uh, it's kind of like a John Deere uh, farming manufacturer company. Um, and we also have military history. We have uh, Cornelius Van Horn's rail car here, uh, one of the only remaining uh, superintendent's rail cars from the CPR, the early 1900s here. Honestly, it covers a lot of ground. Um, we have 25 heritage buildings and structures and five acres, over 5,000 artifacts to, to view and see. So it's it's spectacular. I honestly, I love it so much. For somebody who's not familiar with the area, if they're coming from Winnipeg and want to ha head out because this event is on every uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday up until November 15th. It's been ongoing since May. How does one get to Fort Lorraine Museum? Well, if you're coming from Winnipeg, we are just on the outskirts of Portage La Prairie. So if you head west on the Trans-Canada Highway, um, you will hit the Fort Lorraine Museum 
um, just before or just after the bypass uh, around Portage La Prairie. So take the road into Portage La Prairie when you hit that that east bypass. Keep going straight down Saskatchewan Avenue, I think it is, and you'll hit the Fort Lorraine Museum before you hit That's Portage right. La Prairie yeah. itself. Yeah, you'll you'll see the museum right at the bypass there. Before we let you go, Madison, I'm curious. The image of witness, of witches as we know them in kind of a traditional Halloween sense with the pointy hat and the big nose and the wart on the nose and sometimes green skin and the cackly laugh, is there any resemblance to reality with that? <laughs> Not at all. Uh, no. Um, and actually, if you do come see the exhibit, you can look at the panels and you can determine if you would have been considered a witch back in the 1700s. Oh, interesting. On, yeah, based on your habits, uh, what you look like, your social behaviors, things like that. Hopefully people find it interesting. Um, if anyone has any questions about it, because I know this can be a little unnerving for some folks, um, you're welcome to come in and ask questions. We, we really encourage discussion and, and, of course, in a very respectful way. By the way, Madison, are you from Portage La Prairie? I'm originally from Winnipeg, um, but I live in Portage now, and, and I, oh, I love the community. There's... It is. I've, I've never lived in such a generous community before. There's always a fundraiser going on. Um, everyone here just loves being here, and there's so much to do. We're so close to Winnipeg, and yet close to Spruce Woods and Assiniboine River and, and Lake Manitoba. We're just smack dab in the middle of of lots of, of interesting adventures you could have here in Manitoba. So I, I do love Portage. Well, I, I sure hope the museum knows how lucky they are to have you. You're, you're terrific at what you do. Thank you for this. Well, thank you so much. Madison Connolly, Executive Director of Fort Lorraine Museum. Once again, Witchcraft Explored is the exhibit. It's every Friday, Saturday, Sunday until mid-November. So you still have time to check it out, especially if you're looking for something kind of Halloween-y mm. this weekend. And I just found that fascinating. I had no idea there was a witch hunt in Canada, even though it wasn't quite as aggressive still. I learned so much from that conversation uh, from Mad- with Madison. She was chock full of information, so enthusiastic. And I highly recommend Fort Lorraine Museum as a destination. It is terrific. Just off the highway too, you don't have to go very far into Portage <laughs> if you just want to make it on your way somewhere and you normally bypass Portage. It doesn't take you too much to get to the museum. <laughs> you all right? Sorry did guys, I, I had a I tickle inf- in my throat oh, and I, I thought, thought I, I infected you. It. You thought you could power through. It got the best of me. Halloween's going to be interesting in at least one East St. Paul neighborhood tonight, Loren McNabb. Something a bit unusual happening there. They're putting up barricades in East St. Paul. And I would think it's one of the growing number of communities that are doing this. We know Lindenwoods has done this before. I know communities outside of Winnipeg and those more popular trick-or-treat locations have decided, you know what, we're going to put up barricades and not allow cars to come in. And now East St. Paul is joining that list of communities doing this. Carla Devlin is a counselor for Ward 1 East St. Paul and joins us now to explain what's going on. Good morning, Carla. Good morning. So tell us what's behind this decision to sort of put up the wall, so to speak. Well, we have um, a small development with three entrances, and we get an influx of kids from the area and surrounding areas. And to have volunteers at the entrances to ask individuals coming in to park and walk um, to ensure safety for our pedestrians, because in East St. Paul, we don't have a lot of sidewalks on our, in our developments. So it sees pedestrians sharing roadways with traffic. And in this on this night in particular, we have an influx of children, so to alleviate the traffic and allow the kids to have full reign of the streets makes sense for East St. Paul tonight. How, how busy did, has it gotten in years past? How many outside people coming in? Like, what would be normal for the area, and then what makes you think it's seen people from other neighborhoods come in? Uh, well, I would say other neighborhoods, meaning in East St. Paul, we have other neighborhoods that tend to bring their children over to uh, go trick-or-treating with other um, you know, school kids that they share Halloween night with. Um, I don't have numbers, but I do know that I prepare myself for 200 kids. And on the end of the night, I don't have bags left, whether it's my family stealing it or the kids that come to the door. Carla, there's a suggestion that this is as much about keeping kids safe as it is about keeping those that do come from other parts of the city to Pritchard Farm properties to trick or treat. What do you say to that? No, we, we're not closed for business. We're open for all trick-or-treaters to come into our development and enjoy a safe night. Um, so I, I don't agree with um, 
that were closing the gate or a barricade probably is a harsh word to use. Um, so I will say that we are open for business. We're just hoping to have a safe night for all trick-or-treaters. When it comes to safety, and, and forgive me, I'm not f- super familiar. I've been in that development one time, so I don't okay. remember the layout. But where would people park? Like, Will it be safe for them to park and walk into the neighbourhood? Right. So we have an entrance at Raleigh in time. So Raleigh Road is not a popular road. There's parking there. Uh, we also have lots of streets that enable parking so people can find a place to park and walk. Um, it was The process was reviewed by our engineering and staff, and they didn't feel that there would be an issue on Halloween night, so we were able to proceed with the park and walk. What's the reaction been from residents, Carla? It's been quite positive, and I believe that in Halloween's to come, we'll see our community coming together with different ideas to ensure that we have a great and safe uh, experience for all our trick-or-treaters. I got an email here I would like to read to you, uh, Carla, and this listener doesn't want her name used. She says, uh, I have some concerns regarding this decision to close off Pritchard Farms to traffic. I've been living in the area for 14 years, moved there with a toddler and a newborn. In all these years, I had never thought the cars and so-called extra traffic were a nuisance or a safety hazard. Last year, some comments had been made on certain Facebook groups about children from other neighborhoods coming in for our full-size candy bars and soda cans. And I wonder if the people who complained... Uh, We're close to Carla, and this is the reason why this decision was made. Also, the letter was written to all East St. Paul residents when clearly the closures only affect Pritchard Farm properties. Why are other communities in East St. Paul with similar layouts not subject to such closures? Uh, Well, this was a resolution that I brought forward for my ward. And because we have the three entrances, um, other developments have multiple entrances, which makes it a little bit more difficult to um, participate in a park and walk. So it's uh, an experiment, per se, for tonight. We'll see how it goes. Um, I don't participate in social media. I have no part of social media myself. So what happened last year, I was not aware of any comments or any um, Facebook um, comments on Halloween night. I brought the resolution forward because I've lived in the community as well for 14 years, and I have small children, and I did feel that Sharing the roadways with cars with my children was an unsafe, and I thought that the park and walk would be a benefit to the community. That was an email that was sent directly to you, though, Brett. Yeah. So this isn't from social media. I do have screenshots of social media posts that say exactly the same thing, Carla, that there are, okay. this is born out of frustration of people coming to this part of East St. Paul, this part of the city for, for the for the real goodies, so to speak. And, and it, it's causing some consternation amongst uh, some folks. Well, in relation to the emails that were forwarded to me, I talked to each and every resident. Um, I do recall talking to this resident, and at the end of the conversation, it was was well-received. I don't, it is not about discrimination. It is solely about the safety of the pedestrians walking the streets. Is there a bigger conversation down the road, perhaps, when we make these developments? And not that it all comes back to Halloween, but it does come back to accessibility and having good active transportation and all the rest. To hear that we're building communities that don't, and this has happened in my own neck of the woods, that don't even have sidewalks for people to use is a bigger part of the problem. You're probably correct in saying that. Um, it is unfortunate that developments are developed without sidewalks, and it, it sees our pedestrians walking the street, whether it's a uh, a summer night or a winter walk. Um, so it is something that maybe we sh- should be considering when we're moving forward with developments. Carla Devlin, counselor for Ward 1 East St. Paul, joining us live on 680 CJOB on Halloween. Counselor, thank you for this. We appreciate it. Okay, thank you very much. McNabb, you raise a great point. I, I, so many new developments in the last 20, 30 years, yeah. uh, maybe more, don't have sidewalks. Or and proper just, lighting. And just like just the sheer walkability factor, it just uh, I find it makes a neighborhood completely uninviting when there's sure. no sidewalk. Sure, I, and I know in our in our neighborhood, and we're, we live south of Winnipeg, but on Halloween, we still go out with our kids, and we've been debating, will we still walk with them tonight? Probably with the six-year-old, not maybe with the nine-year-old, but, but because... There's no sidewalks in so many of the neighborhoods. So it's not really about just telling your kid to stick to the sidewalk. It's just this sort of free-for-all out there. So on, in that respect, there are two arguments being made here, and I, and I hear both. But from a safety perspective, we seem to be building neighborhoods that are really built for cars, even in this day and age when we say, get out of the car and walk. Well, where? On the street?
I am holding in my hand a pair of socks from the Children's Hospital of the Foundation of Manitoba. A pair of purple socks, my favorite color, by the way, purple. And uh, they brought these in because they're here to give us some outstanding news. Yeah, Dr. Goodbear adorning those socks. And last week we told you that Winnipeg Blue Bomber quarterback Matt Nichols and his wife Allie had done something very special for kids who attend Children's Hospital for what can be a very overwhelming experience. Children's Hospital, HSC Winnipeg, needed a pair of MRI cinema vision goggles to curb the anxiety and decrease the sedation needed for children when they undergo an MRI. Because of the Nichols family generosity, a $10,000 donation, a movement was created. The goal was to raise $75,000. And well, as we hinted when we visited with Matt last Friday, we have amazing news to share with you. Tanya Williams, Director of Marketing and Communications, Children's Hospital Foundation, joins us now. Tanya, what is the announcement? It's a fantastic announcement, actually, Greg. Good morning, everyone. We have we are excited to announce that we officially have funded the MRI Cinema Vision goggles thanks to the lovely families beside me. I absolutely love that. It's fantastic news. Brenda Marion Garula, president of the Manitoba Neurofibromatosis Support Group. Oh, your vice president. Vice president. I got some bad. I got some bad uh, information along the way. And her son Aiden is here. And Brenda, you're terrific. But hi, hi, Aiden. We want to talk to Aiden. Aiden, how many Sounds times good. have you had to have an MRI? Twenty. Twenty. Wow. And oh how God. old are you, my boy? Uh, ten. 10. So this is a regular occurrence for you. And tell us about the the goggles and does it make it easier for you? Yeah, it makes it really easier. So if you're bored, you can just like watch a movie. Oh, cool. Can it be kind of scary to get an MRI? Like what's that feeling like when you go lay down on your back and go, it's it into kind of a tube? Is Uh, that what it's like or what's it like around you? Yeah, it's like a tube. And was it frightening the first time you had to do it? I don't remember. You would have been little, I bet, hey? For you, as a parent, when your child's going into that situation, is it challenging to put them into that room when all the unknowns that go with it? It is. It can be scary, but I usually sit inside the room so he knows that I'm in the room, or my husband will sit inside the room. We take turns, but then uh, the movie's on there, and the, the staff are so amazing. They are so patient, and they explain everything every step of the way, but with the movies, it helps him really relax. There's been times where he's had to have two sets of MRIs and it can take up to two hours but instead of it being negative Aiden turns it into something positive and he'll be like yes I can watch a full movie <laughs> this well, is great if the lesson- listeners couldn't hear Aiden you were clapping when we announced that uh, we had hit this goal with the goggles right it makes you happy yep I bet well, it was amazing because of it was our our annual meeting in October 19th and we talked about uh, since we did a fund the last pair and we, we helped fund the last pair in 2011 it was time it's been a lot of use, then we'd love that more kids can use it. So we talked about it on October 19th that we would left, definitely love to uh, see where they're at with uh, donating. And then all of a sudden, Matt Nichols donated. So it, it was kind of like, oh, my goodness, now we're how close are we? Let's mm. go check. And then we're like, wow, we only need this much. So let's do this. I love serendipity. So it was amazing. So we already talked about it. So it was funny that it all happened that way. No kidding. So maybe just give us an idea of what it is that Aiden deals with that that involves him or forces him to to have this number of MRIs at, by 10 years old. It's it's uh, got to um, be sure. something that is overwhelming for you at it times. It is, it is, absolutely. So it was six years old, and uh, we went, because we have a, a, a disorder, it's called neurofibromatosis, and because of that, there can be other underlying issues that result that. So we're proactive with seeing different specialists. So one of them is an ophthalmologist. And on his routine, six-year-olds look, looking at, at the, like doing a visual test, he wasn't able to see the letters properly. And then so the doctor's like, well, maybe he's having an off day because he never made any indication that he couldn't see and it wasn't anything obvious. So he's I guess his eye, he was going blind in one eye. And I guess it just his other eye just trained that that's his normal. So he wouldn't be able to communicate. Um, I'm not be able to, I'm not able to see the letters or whatnot. So then the doctor was concerned. He went for an MRI. He was blind in one eye. So then right away, we got a phone call back that we needed to go to cancer care and see an oncologist. And right then and there, he's like, okay, this is what we need to do. He needs to start treatment of 68 weeks of chemo. We're going to start right away. So then it was surgery for a port and then routine, seeing how the chemo is working on his brain. And uh, thankfully, 68 weeks was done. His vision was recovered. But at the same time, 
He has a tumor on his ankle that we're now dealing with, and he's on uh, treatment for that. And so we're still on, it's ongoing. So they make sure that the brain's stable, but we're also making sure that the, the ankle's getting shrunk. I just want to ask, how is it you're going through so much? And Aiden, man, you are one brave dude. And thank you. Yeah, you know, you don't have to thank me, but you're welcome. How is it that in this time of what is, can only be described as crisis for most families, that you have time to do what you're doing? And really, this generosity stems from a concern for others who are going through what what Aiden is going through. I, it just it boggles my mind that you're capable to to balance the two out. It it, it it's so impressive. Thank you. It just it's amazing because we've come into contact with many kids that are now our friends that use the goggles and a lot of there's other kids in our support group that also benefit from the goggles and to make their other kids and make their kids like experience enhanced by being able to proceed a procedure because not all kids can do it because it's scary and they have to be sedated and then hopefully that less kids will have to be sedated because the, the more it's sedated, then the harder it is on their body. So if they can actually go through an MRI procedure and be calm and watch a movie and relax, it just helps all the kids. And if you're not still, the image is no good, Absolutely. right? And you then it needs still. to be redone. And then so there's resource issues. And then, of course, all the all the stress that Moving, goes along coughing, with it. laughing can mm. right. hinder the my, oh my. procedure. Well, but, is it hard when you're watching a movie, if you can't laugh, like, is that hard for you to do, Aiden? No. No? You just sit there still and watch the movie? Yes, yeah, sometimes it makes me laugh, but I have to hold it in. Yeah? So <laughs> you've gotten used do? to that. So what, what are some of the movies you've been able to watch with these goggles? Uh, like Disney movies, Universal, Pixar. You like Diary of Kid? Yeah, I, I like like princess movies, like Disney movies. We were just watching Diary of a Wimpy Kid last night. Which one? The first one, when they go to the fair and get the that's pig. That's a good one. Oh, that long haul. Long haul, that's the one. <laughs> I think it's the first one. He knows already. He's yeah. not, he knows his stuff. The books are great, those Diary of a Wimpy Kid books. Mm-hmm. You don't seem like a kid who has anything going on other than really wild hair right Thank now. You. You've got some awesome hair <laughs> under, that came out from under that toque. But uh, do, you, do you ever feel, like, kind of down? Uh, sometimes, but my friends are there to cheer me up. I have a lot of support, like my family and my friends at school. What's one of the things that cheers you up? Um, like telling jokes? The Winnipeg or... Jets. <laughs> No, just my friends like supporting me and stuff like that. Now, Halloween's tonight. Do you have any plans for tonight? A big costume prepared? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be a skeleton and I'm going trick or treating with my friend. So, first, we're going trunk or treating at Bronx and then we're going to go where my friend's grandma like lives. Oh, you have a plan. Yeah, he's ready. He's ready for tonight. He's got it mapped out, I think. Yeah, and so you should. That's outstanding. Well, Tanya, first of all, congratulations. This is uh, such a, a landmark. There's something special about setting a goal for something clearly so special, something that's needed, and then to achieve that. Totally. And, and the community, once again, just blow, blows us away, doesn't it? Totally. In total, we had over 700 donors, so a big shout-out to wow. them and to Matt Nichols and Allie and the family. And to have these fantastic families like Brenda and Aiden um, and the support group come forward and know how important it is is truly inspiring. And it really shows us that together we can make anything possible. Well, the goal was to raise $75,000. Matt Nichols and his wife Allie donated $10,000. That helped kind of push them towards the edge, and then you came through and helped them clear that hurdle. So Tanya Williams, Director of Marketing and Communications with the Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba. Brenda Marion Garula, Vice President, Manitoba Neurofibromatosis Support Group, and her son Aiden, joining us live on The Start. Everyone, thanks for stopping by. Thank Thank you. you. Happy Halloween. We want to start this half hour by revisiting a series we started yesterday, Greg, which was on crime. Yeah, we've been sharing plenty of stories about crime in our community. Some devastating stories which sadden us, some stories which anger us and beg for answers to the question, why is this happening? How do we stop it is a question which is also being asked. The answer is galvanizing some communities and launching them into action. One of those neighborhoods is in St. James and I would say that's a part of the city which for decades was one of the safest parts of any city 
anywhere. The, the, the amount of crime in St. James was notoriously low. Mark Potts, coordinator of Woodhaven Citizens on Patrol program, joins us now. She's also a regional representative and board member with Citizens on Patrol program. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. Why don't we start at the beginning, the basics. What is Citizens on Patrol program? I guess COP for, yes, for short. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. Uh, basically, what it is is protecting your neighborhood. We know our neighborhood. We know something's not right. If, um, if someone's living alone and you don't see the normal activity there, something is wrong. Um, you know if there is someone walking, a jogger that you've never seen before. We're aware of our surroundings. And by patrolling, either evening or daytime, um, we can spot these things. We have a, a mandatory um, reporting system, which as we patrol, we write in our notepads, which are the ones that the uh, Winnipeg Police Force use. And everything that we write down is confidential. Uh, we do not pass it on to anything. If, if it's a non-event in the evening or the daytime when we're patrolling, we note that in our notepads. If there is a problem, we phone 911 and we document that and we stay on site in t until the police arrive. We do not enable anyone. We are an active group. We're not passive. We've heard a number of citizen on patrol groups have formed in Winnipeg and across Manitoba over the last year, in part because of what is perceived to be a rise in crime or a concern about crime. What's changed in St. James that led to the formation of this group? Uh, actually, uh, when I read in the fall, um, Kevin Klein's boundaries were changed. And it goes from Tuxedo up to Headingley. And my husband and I said, wowzer. That's a big, big area. So I contacted him and said, I need your help. And when I sat down with him, he said, remind me why we're having this meeting. I said, because I need your help. And uh, we've been trying to get that side of the river going, our side. But people, um, St. James is safe. My wife goes online and sees that there's no crime or I don't have time. Um, it's hard to get people mobilized. Um, Oak Bank, I spent the evening with a new group there that is proceeding. Um, and they, they were questioning what the program was about, and rightly so. Like, what, what and how can we work with our neighborhood? Um, but what were you seeing that made you think you needed to, to get this patrol going? What was happening, you know, what has been happening, what kinds of things have been occurring throughout people, on the streets that, that cause concern? People not locking their, their vehicles, being rifled through, which we realize now that uh, they're after money that you leave in, or if you leave it open in your laptop, etc., that's good for them. They can get money for that. Uh, leaving your uh, garage door open, uh, not locking your home. Uh, at the end of our street, there were two houses that uh, one about 9.30 in the morning, a couple was in having their coffee in their kitchen, turned around and there were two individuals that with hoodies and whatnot coming into their home. Another um, didn't lock their door overnight and he woke up in the morning and found items gone. They had slept through the night and had not heard anyone come into their home. So, so for those that don't know where Woodhaven is, it, it's sort of a, one of those hidden enclaves. It's yes. almost like cottage country yes, it is. in the middle of the city. And so if uh, you know where the Towers of Pol or Popol or Pol Courts Park, of St. James, Courts of St. James yeah. is on Portage Avenue. It's south of that where the big airplane is, yes. right? Yes. And so I know people have lived in there over the years and you could be forgiven for imagining that nothing exciting ever happens in there, but that started to change. Are we yes, getting that did. impression? Yeah, yeah, it it has. Um, Easter was quite uh, busy with action within the neighborhood. There was a lot of um, items taken. Some moved from one yard to the other. Uh, it's just kind of spasmodic. And when I'm talking with other groups that I'm trying to get going in Winnipeg, because Winnipeg is lacking. Rural areas have a lot of groups going. 
but Winnipeg doesn't. So um, this is about getting a presence. If you have people patrolling the streets at night, then then the thieves or the would-be thieves out there see that there's more activity in some of these neighborhoods that are otherwise very quiet at certain times of day. Is that the goal, the, essentially? Yes, and we're the eyes and ears for the police. And any of the police that we deal with, be it if they come to give a presentation on meth or on bylaws, etc., they are absolutely wonderful. They're caring. They want to be there. They want to help. And when you phone in a phone call, you have to have the information. You just don't phone and say, um, my house was broken into. They need facts in order to open up a file. When you go out on patrol, how many people are in the group? We patrol in pairs. You can patrol in more, but safety, we teach safety procedures when when I'm training, and you go in pairs for has safety, it, has there either been a on moment, foot or a car. Has there been a moment where you felt unsafe even in a pair? No, I haven't. I know my neighborhood. Uh, with the training for our safety, we know should there be something that we're not, that gut feeling that you don't want to be there, we know how to back off, what to do. So no, I don't. And I've been asked that question several times. And no, I really don't because we know our neighborhood. You know, we wave, we say hi to everyone. Is that what maybe has been lacking in terms of keeping our neighborhood safe potentially? I, I mean, maybe you don't know, but in your opinion, I know that we in the wintertime sometimes will not see our neighbors for mm-hmm. weeks, if not yeah. months at a time, because that's what we do. We sort of hibernate. But does knowing more people in your neighborhood, the people that live there, does that allow you to understand quicker and better when something is amiss? It is. And we have a dog and other people in the neighborhood. And when you're walking around, you're known for your dog's name rather than yours. (laughs) But you do get to know your neighbors, not just the one on the left or right or behind or in front. You get to know all your neighbors from the top to the end of the block. And that I think that's the secret, getting to know. And I've had uh, salesmen say to me, oh, yeah, I guess you are patrolling because when I come in the neighborhood, they'll look at me, they'll kind of smirk or smile, but yet they're watching me. They know that they're not one of the neighbors. All right, well... Uh, that's about all the time we have, so we want to thank you, Marg Potts, coordinator for the Woodhaven Citizens on Patrol program. She's also a regional representative and board member. Marg, thank you for the visit. We appreciate this. My pleasure. Thank you for the time. Actually, our question of the day at cjob.com, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Should Halloween ever be delayed due to lousy weather? now say yes, heavy rain and snow sucks. 88% say never. You can also cast a vote on Twitter at 680CJOB. But this is based on what's happening in Quebec, Lauren. Well, a headline at globalnews.ca is Montreal postpones Halloween due to bad weather. It's actually several municipalities in Quebec and some in southern Ontario, as well as the eastern United States. Inclement weather on its way to... Quebec, as we speak, having them saying, you know what, maybe we shouldn't be out trick-or-treating tonight. And I have to be honest, you've heard me say it throughout the morning, it had me mocking Quebec slightly, but I want to hear from the Quebecers themselves about just how bad this weather is. And so we're joined by Global Montreal Managing Editor, Lisa Fassette. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. So what are we talking about here? Because you're going to have to convince me as a Manitoban who's endured, you know, sub-zero temperatures, freezing cold, blizzards and all the rest. How bad is are we talking about when it comes to what you're facing this afternoon and tonight? As a parent, I don't think it's that bad. My kids are trick-or-treating tonight. They're, we're ready. Um, we're looking at the weather forecast. We're looking at about 3.6 millimeters of rain to fall between 5 and 7 p.m., which is the height of trick-or-treating when you have young kids. The winds are questionable right now. It looks like the weather's changed a little bit, and the 90-kilometer-per-hour winds that we're expecting tonight are actually going to be pushed on to tomorrow. So tomorrow might not be any better for trick-or-treaters. I mean, I guess it depends on what you want to do. My kids are going out. So do you have them? Let's first start. If the 90-kilometer-per-hour winds had come or or were going to come tonight, would you have changed your plans with that? Is Is it the wind that's scaring everybody? Is it the rainfall totals? 
It's a little bit of both. It's a movement that started on a mommy Facebook group yesterday morning with, you know, moms going, listen, the weather's going to be horrible. Why not move Halloween? A lot, a couple of um, neighborhoods moved Halloween to last night. They had their impromptu trick-or-treating um, in and around Montreal. A few others really put a lot of pressure on Facebook, tagging their mayors, saying, hey, can we move Halloween to Friday because the weather's going to be so, so horrific. And some of the municipalities said for safety reasons, sure, why not? It's going to be wet. It's going to be windy. It might be harder for drivers to see little kids. Why not you know, make it safer and suggest that people go trick-or-treating on Friday. They can't force people to go trick-or-treating on Friday and they can't force people not to trick-or-treat on Thursday. So basically the wording has been, listen, we encourage people to move Halloween over one day, but if you can't, have candy ready for trick-or-treaters on Thursday and Friday night. And I think it's really going to be left up to parents to decide how bad the weather really is. So, Lisa, as a parent, we've been having this discussion. Thanksgiving is the first, um, second Monday into October. We've got lots of holidays and celebrations that fluctuate based on how they fall on the calendar. Would you be in favor of making Halloween not necessarily October 31st, but perhaps the closest Friday or Saturday to All Hallows' Eve. I'm of two minds on that one, and it's really interesting because as a working mom, it would be so much easier if it were on a Friday or Saturday night. It just makes it a little bit less hectic. Um, But as a kid growing up, I would have been devastated if Halloween weren't on the 31st. It's Halloween. It's not October 29th or November 3rd. It's October 31st. I mean, if my kids had a pet day tomorrow and they went trick-or-treating till 9 o'clock and only got to bed at 10 o'clock all hopped up on candy, I would be okay with it. They I, don't have a pet day where I kind of feel, mm, I feel bad for those teachers. I feel like Lisa and I should be best friends based on this interview. <laughs> She's preaching, preaching to my choir. How do you get your kids ready then for tonight? We always joke around that in Manitoba, and I'm sure it's not that much different when it gets cooler in Montreal, that lots of the costumes involve what you can shove a snowsuit underneath. It's not really about what your favorite costume is, but what you can fit all the extra layers underneath. So how are you prepping kids? How are kids getting ready for the rain tonight if they are going out? Well, it's going to be surprisingly warm tonight. It's going to be about 15 degrees for oh, trick-or-treating. Oh, now be so quiet now, Lisa. I can't handle this. It's, so it's just some rain. Okay, so with the rain, do they put a raincoat on, or what do they do? I went and bought a box of clear garbage bags, and I'm going to cut armholes and neck holes out of them. I'm going to slap a garbage bag over them, and they're going to be fine. Honestly, it is what it is. We're Canadian. We're hardy. I trick-or-treated in the snow when I was a kid. I mean, my kids are going to be fine. An umbrella, a poncho they're going to be fine. And if it's shorter, it's shorter. If we only do one or two streets, it's going to be fine. They don't need that much candy. What do you do if kids show up at your door tomorrow night? I'm not handing out candy either way. (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm a bit of a Scrooge that way because I'm out trick-or-treating with my kids. But I mean, in my municipality, Halloween has not been postponed. So trick-or-treating is tonight. And that's how it's going to be. Where did you grow up, Lisa? Sounds like you might be one of us. No, I am a diehard Montrealer. I grew up on the West Island of Montreal, so I'm not the city center. And on the West Island, only one municipality has postponed Halloween. Okay, because when you mentioned uh, snow on Halloween, didn't imagine that happening in Montreal all that often. We thought that was just a prairie thing. Uh, We have a text messenger. I think he wins the day, and he thinks maybe he puts it all in perspective. And Loren, this might uh, have me coming around to your side. Rick says kids in Churchill go out and they have polar bears to worry about. That's right. <laughs> they actually, in Churchill, some of the people will take patrols armed with rifles just so the kids can trick or treat to keep it as safe as possible. So if they can do it, we can all do it, Lisa. Yeah, he wins. Awesome. Uh, Lisa Fazette, Managing Edit- Editor, Global Montreal, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Lisa, thank you very much. Thank you. So based on the Environment Canada forecast, it sounded like rain apocalypse was coming tonight with 40 to 50 millimeters. Uh But uh, Lisa's saying they're only looking at about 3 millimeters. But again, the wind could be problematic as well. 15 degrees, not so bad, though. So I don't know. I still think it kind of stinks. But I, I remember trick-or-treating in rain, snow. Well, we've had everything, right? Just how would you, when, when would it end if you kept postponing it? Like, where's the, where's the line, right? And then what do you decide? Is it a certain millimeter? Is it a certain kilometer of hour per wind? Like, what if I just, it was a where would blizzard? it end? 
Yeah, but we've we, for sure there's been blizzards on Halloween before. There has to have been. I don't remember a blizzard. I remember it being really, really snowy and barely, barely being able to see down our lane. Really? Yeah, I do have that memory and getting out of the car and that rushing to the mask. house Your and mom rushing back. To cut out the <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's been cold for sure. Oh, I just don't sure. know where's the line. For I don't sure. know. You can't keep moving it just because you don't like the weather. Yeah, well, you and, know what? And then to your point, well, what do you do if kids come tonight and tomorrow? I mean, how many days are you planning for here, right? How many barricades are you going to put up? I'm going to start putting up barricades around my whole house. <laughs> maybe maybe it should be a three-day celebration. Yeah. The actual day of the week and then the Friday and the Saturday beforehand. I was looking at a story where in Wisconsin, one community, they did trick-or-treating last Saturday. That's interesting. Well, yeah, because they're, they're, I think there's a petition in the States actually to try to make it the last Saturday of the month. I think that's what it is. It's something like that to just make... The last Saturday of October trick-or-treat day, uh, which I don't know that I am generally opposed to because it's not like everyone waits until October 31st to celebrate Halloween. There were Halloween parties all last weekend. There's going to be more parties this weekend. It's a full, like, more than a week-long celebration anyway. It's become the second largest celebration in terms of how much money we spend. Next to Christmas, we send, spend tens of millions of dollars on Halloween. People really enjoy it and... Maybe it's time to just not limit it to the one day. But, Rick, you convinced me. If they can trick-or-treat in Churchill with the threat of polar bears, I'm with Loren McNabb. No reason ever to delay trick-or-treating. I agree with Loren McNabb. No reason to ever postpone the trick-or-treating. I yield to you. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.